You guys ready for the word of God? We had to dig in kind of fast, but um, grab your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one. And we're in a series that we called high and mighty, high and mighty. And we are talking about um, spiritual law, supernatural law. So there are natural laws. And just like there are natural laws for a natural creation or earth, there are supernatural laws for God's supernatural kingdom. And um, the laws exist whether you understand them or not, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not. Um, the laws are, are, are there. They, you know, it's kind of like you may not agree with gravity, but it's there, right? You may not agree with electricity, but it will shock you, right? And so, um, so there are natural laws and there are supernatural laws. And here's why we need to understand supernatural laws, because anything Anytime we see God working in creation, any miracle, salvation, whatever it is that God does or the kingdom of God does, we know that heaven is invading earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth. The only way for God's kingdom to impact and influence earth is through supernatural laws. So the law, we've talked about the law of grace. We've talked about the law of faith, which I also call the law of change because nothing changes in the earth without faith because faith is what moves what grace has provided. So faith appropriates what grace provides. So salvation is by grace through faith, right? Faith is the conduit. So you can't, nothing moves in the kingdom, you know, nothing moves from the kingdom of the earth without faith. So we talked about that. Talked about the law of sowing and reaping. It works whether you like it or not. You sow to, to the flesh, you sow to sin, you're going to reap destruction. You sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life. It doesn't matter whether you like the law or not. It, it doesn't even matter if you understand it or not. It just works because it's a supernatural law. Last week, Brent talked about the law of confession, which is so very important what we say and the power of our words and, um, and how it relates to what's going on in our lives. And, and this week I have, I have another one that I, I think is, is so, so important. And so I'm going to dive in together. I'm going to try to do well on time. Um, but Genesis chapter one, verse 26 to me, this, this is such an incredible verse in the first chapter because there's so much that comes out of this verse, like the five purposes of man come out of, come out of this verse. Um, uh, I, mean, I mean, not the five purposes, the, the five questions of purpose, which I've taught on. Also, our, our, as a church, we believe that God's calling for every person is to believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. I believe that's what God called you to. We see it in this verse. But I saw something different in this verse as it relates to our topic today. So I want to start here. We're going to go through a lot of scripture. I'm probably going to talk fast, um, but I'm going to try to, to get all of this content and, and, and try to communicate what I think the Holy Spirit wants me to say. So Genesis 126 says, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness um, and let them have dominion over the fish, over the birds, the livestock, over the earth and everything that creeps on the earth. So let us make man in our image and, and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. I called this message, I thought about all the different titles, like I'll have, like I'll write down 20 titles and sometimes I get with the creative team and we write down even more titles and I don't know, I just like titles. But this one I just simply put was my first idea. Um, I wanted to call this one, the, the sermon the devil doesn't want you to hear. I wanted to call it that one. But then I thought that's really every sermon. 
Um, and so that's why it's so hard to get to church. It's amazing to get anywhere else but church. Um, it's because the devil didn't want to hear. And, uh, but I decided to call it this. I decided to call it the red pill. Okay. The red pill. Um, let me pray, and then I'll explain that. Father, thank you so much for this moment. God, we don't want to miss this moment. We don't want to miss this opportunity. We want to hear everything that the Holy Spirit has to say. So God, give us a focus and um, God, just remove distractions and um, give us an ear to hear uh, what the Holy Spirit says. God, we, we want to we wanna zoom, we want to listen intently to what you do. We don't want to miss it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the Red Pill, if you remember, I think it was 98, 99, a movie came out called The Matrix. Did anyone ever see The Matrix? Um, and so in, in the movie, The Matrix, there's this iconic scene where Morpheus, um, is talking to Neo and Neo has found a glitch in the matrix. And so Morpheus knows what's really going on. Neo does not know what's really going on. And so he says, Hey, here are two pills. Take the blue pill and you'll wake up tomorrow and you can just believe whatever you want to believe. But take the red pill and all I promise you is the truth. What you do with it's up to you. I call this message the red pill because if you want to live the life you've been living, however that is, and, and, and you don't want to go farther, deeper, you don't want to see what all God has for you, and you don't want to understand how incredible and amazing God has made you, then take the blue pill and exit now. But if you stay, I'm going to give you the red pill and I just promise you the truth and then whatever you do with it, it's up to you. How about that? So the spiritual law I want to talk about today that we see and start or begun or set in motion in Genesis is the law of delegated authority. The law of delegated authority. What we see in Genesis chapter one is God made a man and then God gave that man authority over the earth. He gave him authority over his own life and he gave him authority over creation. In fact, when God issues a commission or a calling, God gives, it's like a, it's like a, um, almost like a triune commission in that, in that when God gives you a calling or a commission, he's going to give you three things and you have to have all three. He's going to give you authority. He's going to give you power. And he's going to give you responsibility. He will never give authority and power without responsibility. He will never give responsibility without authority. He will never give responsibility without power. If God gives you a commission, if he's called you and he has given us all a commission and he has called all of us it, in intrinsic in that commission or in that calling assumed and, and delegated to us is is not just an assignment, but it is the responsibility and the authority and the power necessary to complete the assignment. If you remove any one of those, it doesn't work. If you have authority and you have responsibility, but you do not have power, you are frustrated. If you have authority and power, but no responsibility, you are frustrating. Right? It's, it's kind of the, the stereotypical boss's son. Like I worked for one one time. And he had all authority and all power and no responsibility. And it nearly killed all of us. Because he wasn't responsible for anything. And anytime there was work to be done, he was getting a massage or a tan. 
right? But yet he could come in and flex with his power and his authority. And you're like, you got to listen to him, right? So God, God doesn't give one without the other. If he gives you the authority, if he authorizes you to do something, he gives you the power to do it, but he also gives you the responsibility to complete it. And what he gave man in Genesis chapter one was the authority and the power and the responsibility. He said, let us make man, all right, in our image and let him have dominion. And then in Genesis chapter two, we see that when he said, let us make man, he breathed into man the spirit of God that brought him to life. So there's the power, right? And the authority and the, and, and the responsibility is seen in the dominion. Let him have dominion over what? Over the earth. So there's the responsibility, the earth. Where's the authority? Dominion. Where's the power? In the spirit of God that was breathed into him. All three are there. And in your life and in my life, whatever he has called us to, whatever he has called us to be, whatever purpose he has given us, whatever commission has been issued, he has given us authority, power, and responsibility. There it is. My concern in our culture is our culture keeps wanting more and more power and more and more authority and less and less responsibility. We want more benefits without responsibility. And my concern, yes, we would call it entitlement. My concern is it's even crept into the church. God is responsible to bless me whether I ever get it together or not. He is responsible to, to provide for me, even if I never understand tithing or sowing or reaping or offerings or the power that, that he has put in my hand to where I determine what I get because I have the power to sow so God can bless it so I can harvest. And, and my concern is that we, that, that we don't understand that there's a responsibility given me. And because of that, we live let me say, okay, I'm going to try to be really, really nice. I think there are a lot of people today blaming God for things he gave you the power to do. Amen. Like what I've heard, please hear me. What I've heard over and over again is I've heard believers blame the devil or blame God. And when something goes wrong, we blame the devil or we blame God. But we never say, well, what did God ask me to do? What has God given me power to do? What is, I think sometimes God's not answering prayers that he's already given you the power to do for yourself. Y'all doing all right? <laughs> and so to me, I think you have to understand that God, listen, you got to understand this principle that God created the earth and then he gave man, he gave man the authority over creation. Psalm 8, 5, you made them man only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Look at verse six. And you gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. By the way, this is quoted in the book of Hebrews as well. Right? You made man a little lower than God, crowned him with glory and honor, and you gave who? Who did he give charge of everything he had made? Man. He gave us charge of everything he made, and he put all things. If all things were placed under our authority, how many things were not placed under our authority? 
I'm just reading the Bible. Place all things under their authority. Psalm 1, by the way, that is quoted in Hebrews. Psalm 115, 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Who did he give the earth to? So the principle that you need to understand is that, that God created creation, earth, and then he put a manager over the earth called man. And that because God is all powerful, see, there's, there's something conflicting you need to understand about God in that God is all powerful, but God is a God of principle. He will not allow his power to violate his principle meaning he's made you a free moral agent. He will not force you to salvation. He will not make you act right, but he will give you grace and the Holy Spirit should you choose to mature and grow in grace. Yes. Yes. So God is powerful enough to change the whole world today. Like he has the infinity stones and he could snap. Right. <laughs> Come on, Marvel. Black Widow came out this week, y'all. There are finally good movies again, y'all. Anyways, he, he has the infinity stones and he can snap. But you know why he won't? Because he's not in charge here. You are. And he has relegated his moving where now he will only move through and with man. So really today, we do not need a move of God. We need a move of man. Jesus would not have said it is finished if it wasn't finished. When he said it is finished, it was because he was finished. He was finished with what he was supposed to do. Now it's up to you. He has given charge of everything he made to man and put everything he made under our authority. So God created it. Now God owns it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns it, but man manages it. And because man manages it, he won't move around. He won't circumvent. He, 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 he won't go, he won't work around man. He only works through and with man. Meaning God can only work in your life to the degree that you do. Oh, I don't like that. I just want to sit back with Christine Aguilera and sing like a genie in a bottle. In my head right now, I'm rewriting the lyrics to make it my point, but I'm not going to sing it. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so many times God works when you do. Now we're not saved by works, but you are saved for works. I mean, wor works are a part of the gospel. You are called to good works. You are saved for good works. You are saved from, but you are also saved to. So the principle is that God created earth and then he put us in charge. That's why people say, well, if God's so good, look how bad earth is. Well, earth isn't the best God can do. That's what heaven is. 
earth is what man has done with what God gave us. I'm Marty. I'm your friend. If you get what I'm saying today, it change your life. Now, some of you, it's probably just review. But for some of you, you're like, bro, I never heard this. Um, so in Genesis 3, Satan shows up. So spiritual warfare. Uh, you'll never have promise with opposition. You'll never have vision with opposition. You'll never have purpose without opposi- opposition. So as soon as Adam and Eve are set in as the authorities of earth, then here comes Satan. Now, some people believe Satan fell uh, pre-Adam in some pre-Adamic creation uh, Satan wanted to ascend to the hill, you know, wanted to ascend to God's throne. He said, I want to be like God. Um, there's a part of me that believes Satan. I think God created Lucifer. I think man created Satan. Because I think Satan wanted a throne and God gave Adam a throne. And Satan knew he could not take on God, but he could take on man. It's just a theory. We'll find out when we get in heaven. Don't leave the church over it. I said something one time and somebody left the church over it. And I'm like, there's like, I can preach all three, all three theories. Like if you're a rapture person, you can be pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post. I can explain all three. Here's what I know. My being able to explain all three doesn't mean I know which one it is. And you're free to choose if you want to. And I said something, this person got offended and they called me and they said, well, I just believe it's this one. I said, okay, fine. Well, we're leaving the church. I'm like, well, why do you believe it's that one, by the way? And they said, well, I grew up being told it was that. I said, I grew up believing a fat man with a white beard came down my chimney one time a year and brought presents. That doesn't make it true. That just makes it what I believed. (laughs) How y'all doing? So I'm just saying, you can believe a lie, right? So that's why we have the word of God. And there are things scripture is so clear on. There's things you got to work out and there's things we're not going to know till it's passed or at the end or happening, right? And we're just going to be okay with that. So (laughs) Genesis 3 (laughs) is, is, is the fall of man and Satan shows up. And he deceives Adam. By the way, the only superpower Satan has is deception. His his only power is to get you to believe something that's not true. Whether it's about God or about you or about someone else. Just like he convinced. Let me tell you his greatest deception is that you can find life and fulfillment and satisfaction in something besides God. That's, that's, his, that's his only play, and it still works. Because he told Adam and Eve, he said, look, I know God's promised you this, but if you'll eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll know right and wrong. He convinced the creation that was the most like God that in order to be fulfilled, they had to do it his way and not God's way. Pretty much what he does today. And pretty much we all fall for it. Oh, I'll just be, I'll be so happy if I get the. So he deceives them. And when he deceives them, he captures 
the throne of man, the authority of man, if you will, the power of man over creation. Now, how do I know that? A couple ways. Number one, when God told Adam in verse 28 of, of Genesis chapter one, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue and take dominion. So this was his covenant or commission with man. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue and take dominion. He gives the same commission to Noah, but it's without two things. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He does not say subdue or take dominion. Why could he not, why could he tell Adam to do something and not tell Noah? Because when man fell, we lost the authority and the power to rule and reign over the earth. And who had it? Satan. How do we know? Because when he tempts Jesus, he says, hey, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And this is what he said. They've been delivered to me and I'll give them to you. Now, if he was lying, Jesus would have said, you're a liar. But he did not confront him. Why? Because he knew that was true. Where did he get them? In the garden when, when he deceived man. When man fell, Satan gained the management of earth. And what a great job he did. Right after that, you have the first marital conflict, the first murder, and then it just kind of goes downhill from there. And so Jesus comes back. Yes, to pay for sin, but also to regain the authority that God wanted man to have. Because remember, God's, God's goal has never been to get every man in heaven. It's been to get heaven in every man and to get heaven in the earth. So Jesus had to be fully man. So this is, if you want a doctrine or a theological teaching, the humanity of Christ. There's the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. It's, it's, um, he had to be both. He had to be God because he had to be pure. And he had to be man because he had to pay for the sin of man. So he was in the fullness of him was the Godhead bodily. There's the deity and the humanity of Christ. Right? God doesn't actually have a, a body as we would know it. But Jesus did. Right? In the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us and we behold his glory is only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. So Jesus had to be man. Why? Because a man fell. A man sinned, so man had to pay for sin. So he had to be. If he wasn't a man, then his death wasn't a death, and therefore atonement wasn't given. Are you with me? So he had to be a man to die to pay for the sin of man. So that's why the Bible says in the first Adam, this is what Paul said, we all die, but in Jesus, we all live, right? So theologically, ideology, he, he was, yeah, ideology, whatever. Anyways, ideally, he was the second Adam. And so he came to restore everything, the first Adam. The problem is we think, well, he came to bring us salvation so that we can go to heaven, but our, we misapply the solution because we don't really understand what the problem was and we don't really understand what God's mission was. God's mission was never get us into heaven. So what he did was he paid for sin to reunite us with God, to put us back on task, back on purpose, right? Which is bringing heaven into earth. But to bring heaven into earth, you not only need forgiveness, you need authority. 
So not only is it said in Christ we all die, I mean, in Adam we all die, but in Christ we all live. If, if by one man's sin, death in the world, how much more will, will um, the gift of grace and salvation come through this man, Jesus Christ? That's all Paul's writing to, to the Romans. Um, but so he had to be a, a man to pay for sin and righteousness, but he also had to be a man to regain authority. Remember what he says? He says, Matthew 28, Jesus said, I've been given all authority. How much authority does he have? And where does he have authority? Heaven and all authority where? Heaven and earth, right? So if Jesus, if Jesus came back and got all authority, how much authority does the devil have? Now he has no authority, right? But Jesus didn't just keep all the authority. He gave it to us. said, I've been given all authority now. You go. Why can you go? Because I'm going to give you authority. Look at, look at Luke. Um, oh, no. That's later. Sometimes I should use my notes. So he said, I've been given all authority. Have no, go make disciples of all nations baptized. By the way, if you look at this, there again is, is authority and power and responsibility. So the idea then is that Jesus comes and it says that when he, I mean, if you put the Bible together, this is what it says, that when he died, he descended into hell. He led captivity captive. He preached the gospel to those who were being held, who didn't have the opportunity to respond to the gospel. He led captivity captive and he got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. That's Revelation 1. He said, I'm them who died but lives again and have the keys to death and hell. And so basically when he says to the disciples, here's the keys to the kingdom, it's because Jesus is like, I'm, I'm getting everything back that you lost. Yeah, right. Jesus is not less of a solution than sin is a problem. He also need to understand that God and the devil are not in a battle. That battle was already fought. And Jesus tells us kind of the, the highlight, you know, from Sports Center. Dun, 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 dun. I saw Satan fall like lightning. That was pretty much it. Like it went one second of the first round. Because Satan's a created being. This might also help you to know that if you think, oh, Satan is so powerful, think about this. The power he was using was yours. Is that helpful? Because it helps me. You could also think about the fact that he was created to be an angel. Angels are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. He was created to serve you. He is not more powerful than you. I'll get to this in a minute, but you don't need God's help to deal with him. That's right. Good. Y'all doing all right? So I'm going to give you my, my points. We're going to work through them fast. That was all introduction. So the point is God gave man management. I promise we're going to go fast. God gave man management of the earth. Man lost it. Satan took it. Jesus got it back. Jesus gave it to us. We are seated with him in heavenly places. We are standing on the earth. All authority. He's given us power over all the, authority, all the power of the enemy. All right, write these down. Three points. Number one, you have authority over your life. If, if what we just talked about is true, this is the application, then you have authority over your life. So stop blaming everybody else. Yeah. It's not what they did to you. It's what you chose to do after what they did. Yes. Amen. 
So God has given you authority and power and responsibility over your life. And I know, listen, listen, listen. And I've been tempted because I don't know about you, but I've had pity parties before. Has anybody ever had a pity party? Isn't it funny how you're the only one that shows up? Is it really a party? One is the loneliest number, <laughs> right? Is it really a party at that point? But listen to me. God has given you authority, power, and responsibility over your life. And I know it's so much easier to have those pity parties and say, well, God, you don't do for me like you do for everybody else. And you don't bless me like, and you don't take care of me. And they got this and they got that. And Marsha, 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 Marsha. Come on, Jan, you're going to have to get over it at some point. Some of y'all don't remember the Brady Bunch. Anyways. <laughs> And so you have authority. Think about this. God gave you the fruit of the spirit of self-control. I know you want the fruit of the spirit to be others control, to be husband control, to be wife control, to be kids control, to be employee control, to be boss control, but he gave you the power of self-control. He has given you the authority and power to control one person. How's it going? (laughs) He's given you the power to control your thoughts. We can cast down imaginations and everything that exhausts us and take every thought captive. He's given us the power over our actions. He's given us the power over our words and words release authority. I'll come back to that at the end, but words release authority. Your life is headed in the direction of your words. If you don't like where your life is headed, change what you're saying. James says, by the way, you're the script. if you need a scripture, I don't know, I don't believe it. Your tongue is a rudder. Go read the book of James. He was not nearly as nice as me, by the way. He's pretty rough. He's giving you power over you. He's giving you authority over creation. I don't know if you realize this, but he gave you dominion over everything on the earth. Like over the birds, over the livestock, over everything that crawls and creeps and walks. You have to understand Jesus is 100% man. Jesus is the model New Testament believer. He was God in man. What are you? Well, one third of you is wall to wall Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. You're a body, soul, and spirit. Have you been born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit? One third of you is wall to wall Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. And Jesus, the most normal believer that ever lived, stood up and told a storm to sit down. Why? Was he doing that because he was God? No, he's doing that because he had man with authority over creation. Do you know even creation is waiting for the sons of God to act like sons of God? According to Paul, creation is groaning and as, as a woman in child pains waiting for the sons of God to take their place. Why? Because when the sons of God do not take their authority and their responsibility and use their power, creation suffers. And creation has been suffering for about 6,000 years. Amen. This is a great message. Yes, By the way, did you know you also have authority over the devil? Yes. Did you know that? Right? If the devil is bothering you, you don't have to talk to God about that. You talk to the devil. Amen. Did you know that? I'll read you some scripture. Mark 16, this is the Great Commission. Again, this is responsibility and power and authority, but this is the one in Mark's gospel that we don't use because it makes people nervous. 
Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. We're okay with that. Verse 16. But anyone who refuses will be condemned. Verse 17. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Huh. These miraculous signs. And he's going to start talking about the miraculous signs that should be normal around the life of a believer. They will cast out demons in my name. Well, I don't believe in demons. Well, they're in the Bible. Jesus believed in them, but let me tell you this way. If you don't believe in them, it's because you hadn't met one. Because <laughs> when you meet one, you believe in them. Oh, they're all in third world countries. No, in America, they hide in the church. And they sing worship songs sitting right next to you. And then they go out and they gossip and they sow discord and they sow dissension. How are y'all doing? I'm having so much fun, y'all. It's like everything I always wanted to say in one sermon. They will cast out demons in my name. By the way, if I was a demon and I wanted to torment you, I would convince you I didn't exist. That way, I would wreak havoc on your life and convince you it was God's fault. So they will cast out and they will speak in new tongues or new languages. By the way, by the way, there's authority and responsibility and power. So the great commission, go into all the world. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world. That's authority and responsibility. The power came 50 days later at Pentecost and you receive power. Here's what I'm saying. If you don't come to, let me say, let me try back up and say this in a nice way. You're going to have to get comfortable with the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you want to be the believer that God's called you to be. And, and let me just go a step farther. If you're not comfortable with it, it's because somebody did something wrong. But if you're not comfortable with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or tongues or all that, it's not because you have a problem with God. Usually you have a problem with man or you have a bad doctrine that you cling to. And, and I'm just saying, if the worst way to live is with, this is what Jesus knew. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here's the authority and the responsibility. He said, but don't go until you're endued with power. Because he knew how frustrating it would be to have authority and responsibility and no power. And I think that, for the, listen, for the church to be what it needs to be, we're going to have to get comfortable with the Holy Spirit, y'all. We're going to have to get comfortable with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. And listen, that doesn't mean we have to be weird. Some people, I'm leaving this church, they're about to act weird. No, the Holy Spirit's not weird, but he is in some weird people. But you've met weird people that don't have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We just don't blame that on God. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They'll be able to handle snakes. We're leaving those in the back today. And if they drink anything poison, I'm just kidding. We have no, God, that'd be on Instagram. Anyways, one note, somebody, they got snakes in the back. No, Bubba Ray, we don't. You're Okay. They'll drink anything poisonous. It won't hurt them. And they'll be able to place, look at this, and they'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. 
You see what he said? These signs will follow those that believe. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick. Do you know God never told you to pray for the sick? Arlen, back up. Jesus never told you to pray for the sick. He told you to heal them. Yes, yes. Amen. It's, I'm just saying it's your Bible. You do with it what you want. Do you know 50% of the miracles Jesus did, by the way, of healing, almost 50% of them were people who were demonically oppressed and it produced physical symptoms in them? And he would cast out the spirits with a word and heal all who were sick among them. The devil can make you sick. Like it could be clinical depression that's diagnosable because of chemicals in the brain and all that. And it could be a spirit of oppression. That's where you need the spirit of discernment. Because if it's physical, you have authority to be healed. If it's demonic, you have authority to be delivered. Right? And I'm in no way, by the way, let me just say this, my disclaimer, I've dealt with anxiety, I've dealt with depression. At one time I considered getting on antidepressants um, because I just could, I thought I couldn't function. But it was demonic. And I dealt with it. I also had a great counselor and we did some great work on the soul. So we did some spirit work and some soul work and it affected the body. So I get it. So I would never tell you, don't take an antidepressant or that's not God's will. Listen, if I get sick, I take medicine and I pray because I have an allergy to pain. I do. Does anybody else have an allergy to pain? I don't like it in any shape, form, or size. Right? I'm allergic to it. That's why I don't do certain things anymore. Somebody asked me the other day, you want to go rollerblading or something? I'm like, what do I look like to you? What, what about this looks like I'm about to strap wheels on my feet? I'm allergic to pain. Okay, look at what Jesus says. This is Luke 10, 19. Y'all doing okay? Luke 10, 19. It says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. By the way, that's a type and shadow of demonic activity, which I could take you through the Bible and show you, but you just had to trust me for time's sake. And look at this, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It gives you power. This is what you need to understand. Satan does have power, but it's fading. You have power that's increasing. He has no authority. You have all authority. So you have authority and power and responsibility over his power. If you, and listen, I just wish you would realize how amazing you are. I wish you'd realize how powerful you are. And I wish you would realize that, that you're bad to the bone. Thank you, George Thorogood. Bad. Right? Like you are not to be messed with. It's just that the enemy has tried to deceive you and give you lies to keep you from knowing who you are and becoming who God has created you to be and surely to keep you from using the power and authority that God has placed in your life. He's like, he has deceived so many of the church that we think we're powerless and we just can't change anything. And, And then he wreaks havoc on everybody's life when really you're more powerful than him and you have all the authority over creation. Come on, like... You are bad to the bone. 
Look at, look at what um, Ephesians 3.20. Now, we know part of this verse, but I wanna, I'm going to read the first part we know, and then I'm going to put the part that we forget. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. And isn't that a great verse? Isn't that a great promise? We just sit back and wait on God to do more than we can imagine. Well, let's read the rest of the verse. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask and think, according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. The power to do the impossible works in and through you. God will do more than you imagine when you do what he's asked you to do. Right? I heard someone say the other day, you do the ridiculous, he'll do the miraculous. Right? We just need to understand that the power to change our situation, the power to change our world, the power to see miracles, all of that works through us. It's in us, works through us. God has given us that power. He has given us that authority. Like, do you understand? The power to transform your life is actually in you and will work through you. Do you understand you are not waiting on God? Okay, I know I got to go on, but I just, all right, here's the second thing. All right, I promise this will go faster. Famous last words. What you don't know is costing you. Second thing, what you don't know. Ephesians 4, 17, look at this. He said, now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. Now, why don't I want to walk in the Gentiles? In the futility of their mind. Oh, in the futility of their mind. What's going on with their mind? They are darkened in their understanding and so alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Here's what Paul said. They're missing out on what God has for them because they're ignorant of it. Now, ignorance is not, that's not a dig, right? I mean, it sounds like a bad word, but being ignorant is a problem that is solvable. Yes. Being stupid is not, but being ignorant is, you know? Was it, you can't fix stupid, but you can hit it with a two before or something like that? I don't remember what the <laughs> meme was. Anyways, that's terrible. We would never say that, and forgive me, Lord. Anyways, the point is, here's what Paul said. If you're ignorant of it, you can't, you can't benefit from it. That's why when he's talking to the Corinthians, he would talk and say, I don't want you ignorant of this, and I don't want you ignorant of that. In fact, he said, I don't want you ignorant of spiritual gifts. Like, I don't want you ignorant of the Holy Spirit and how he works and the gifts because those gifts represent the manifestations of power of God's presence and spirit in your life. And he's like, I don't want you to be ignorant because if you're ignorant of it, it won't benefit you. And I think sometimes some people, there are those who because they don't want to take responsibility, they would rather just stay ignorant. But the problem is the ignorance is costing you inheritance. Like when we don't know who we are and we don't know what we have and we don't understand the power and the authority that we're given, we don't benefit from it. We don't use it 
and, and we sit back and life happens to us. And I don't want to be somebody that life happens to. I want to be somebody that happens to life. And, and, and until we come to understanding, we can't use it. Case in point, Isaac Newton did not invent gravity. He just ended his ignorance of it. Are you with me? Yes. Truett Caffey did not invent the chicken. <laughs> he just ended life without a chicken sandwich. Yeah. Anointed and all and served with waffle potatoes. <laughs> ben Franklin didn't create electricity. He just ended the air of ignorance about electricity. And he allowed people like Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla to be able to use and understand the laws of electricity to apply it to get an alternating current and a direct current. And eventually Tesla built a power plant that powered New York City in the late 1800s. All because why? Is it because he came up with something? No, it was because we were ignorant of electricity and someone leaned in and discovered it and then applied themselves to understand it so that they could use it for the benefit of mankind. And that's what I'm saying about the Bible. We don't read the Bible so we can put on Instagram that we had our Devo that day in case that single guy is out there looking for a Christian girl. Or <laughs> we, we read the Bible because it is the will of God it explains the purposes of God and the ways of God, but it explains who we are and what God has given us and what he's put in our hands and what he's given us power and authority to do. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Like we can't just stay ignorant or we'll lose out everything that God has for us. You have to dig in. That's why Paul told the Ephesians, he said, he said, I'm praying that the, the Lord of glory, the Father of grace would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your understanding would be an open. Why do you want my eyes to be open? So you'll know what is the hope of your calling. What is the richness of the inheritance that you have in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward you that believe? Paul's like, listen, listen, you gotta, you gotta understand some things or you're gonna miss your purpose and you're gonna miss your inheritance and you're never gonna know the power that you actually possess. Okay, third thing. Your level of submission determines your level of authority. Now, this is where I got to tell you how it works. How it works. Because, because we've talked about here's the story and you have authority, right? And, and, and what you don't know is costing you, but you need to understand that authority works through submission and declaration. This is how you, this is, if you want to use delegated authority, it's through submission and delegation. And I can show you just this one story where the centurion had a sick servant. So he comes to Jesus and he says, will you heal my servant? And Jesus said, sure, I'll come to your house right now. And this centurion, who was a Roman, not a Jew, didn't know the law, didn't know the prophets, just knew Jesus, right? Comes to Jesus, he said, you don't have to come to my house, just speak the word. And so verse eight, Matthew eight, verse eight, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak a word and my servant be healed. And then he explains authority. For I'm also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So I'm under authority and I'm over what has been placed in my authority. 
So I have authority because I'm under authority. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes, and this one, do this, and he does this. So here's what he's saying. I have authority because I'm under authority. So God wants to delegate authority to you. God wants to delegate authority to man. What makes it work? Being under his authority. Being, being submitted to him, being surrendered to him, right? This is what Jesus said. I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the one who sent me. In fact, he said, I can't do anything unless I first see the father do it. He even said this. I don't even speak my own words. I just speak what I hear from him. So Jesus was the most surrendered person that's ever lived on the earth. It's probably why he was the most authoritative and most powerful because he was the most surrendered. You say, well, what does surrender look like? Well, it looks like obedience. Like being obedient to God. It looks like making God first. It's doing life God's way. And yeah, I don't know how to do it. He's got, he got a Bible and a Holy Spirit. Figure it out. Seriously. But it's that surrender of my life. My concern with the modern church is we want life without death. We want resurrection without a cross. And we want the benefit of a new life without the burden of death in the old one. We want blessing without surrender. We want increase without sacrifice. But the journey of the New Testament believer is a journey into surrender. And you could say it this way. It's a journey into death. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. You need to understand there's a difference between being saved and being surrendered. Being saved is a work of faith and grace. Being surrendered is a commitment to being changed and sanctified and surrendered and submitted to God and allowing God to work and continuing to give all of your life to him. I didn't think it'd be that popular, but thank you for the three of those that did like that point. Are, are y'all with me on this? Like, it is, is such a, like we're supposed to be living sacrifices, which means everything's supposed to be on the altar. Like, how do I say it in a nice way? My concern is that, that nowadays in Christianity's become like a, like a little like sprinkles on a cookie. Like we want to live our life and just sprinkle little Jesus on it from time to time. When Paul said, no, when you follow him, your life ends. Now he lives through you. Let me ask you, who's living in you right now? Are you living in you or is he living through you? Because the goal of Christianity is for you to be dead and him to live through you. Amen. And that's what surrender and submission looks like. And when you have surrender and submission and you're truly surrendered to him, then you have authority in what you say. He said, you just speak the word. Job 22, you will declare a thing and it will be established for you. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Like where is authority? It's in the tongue. Jesus said, have faith in God. And then he said, if you, if, you, if you speak to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and you don't doubt, but believe those things which you say, then you will have whatever you say. Notice, notice, notice when he's talking. Notice when he's talking. He's talking about a mountain. He's talking about creation. He's talking about earth. He's like, hey, you're authority because he had just cursed a fig tree and it died. 
And they're like, how'd you kill a fig tree? He's like, I spoke to it. Sometimes we wonder why everything around us is dying. Well, what are you saying about it? Because you have authority, whether you, and, and authority is always, the power of authority is always in agreement. And Satan is always working to get you to agree with him. Where any two agree, touch, any, any two agree on the earth is touching any one thing, it will be done for them. Listen, that works for things that are holy, and that works for things that are not. Y'all doing all right? Here's what I want you to understand. I want you, like this is the red pill. I'm going to land the plane, all right? This is the red pill. God has given man authority and management over the earth, which starts with your life. You have power. You have authority. You have responsibility. And no, I can't tell you everything about it. I mean, there's books written on this. I mean, I do eight-week series and not tell you everything about it. But I just want to get you hungry enough to understand God created you powerfully. God created you. You're amazing. Like, you are the pinnacle and the apex of his creation. And he has given you management, power, and authority and responsibility over the earth, over creation, over your life, over your family, over your home, over your business, whatever you're over. If you're under him, you have authority over whatever's under you. And so take the journey and surrender. Get in the Bible and find out who you are and what you have. Get a good book on it and go and take over your world. Take the red pill. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise today? Why don't you stand? If I offended you, I'm sorry, but email Mark. He has a way of fixing those things. Let me pray for you, God. Thank you so much for um, everyone in this room, for this church, for these hungry people that would show up on a rainy July Sunday. God, I just pray the word today would take root in their hearts. God, I pray that they would hear from you. Will you take a moment and ask God what he's speaking to you? And God, I pray in this moment they would hear from you. They would hear your words of life, God. They would hear your voice, God, that you would speak to them. God, we want to be, we want to be the people that you have created us and called us to be. God, we don't want to, we don't want to leave anything undone. We don't want to stop short of anything we're called to do. We don't want to, we don't want to walk in less than you've given us. And so, God, I just pray that. That, you would, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of our calling. God, what is the richness of our inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. God, that's my prayer for everyone today. That's my prayer for everyone today. So God, I pray you would speak to us. Listen, as you're listening, for God, your heads are bowed. Thank you for being so attentive. I know today has been long. We'll figure that out in days to come. But with your heads bowed, um, if if there's anyone in the room that you need a relationship with God, where you really need to surrender, I'm not asking if you want to be, uh, join a church or be religious or 
I'm not even asking if you want to go to heaven. I'm saying, do you want a relationship with Jesus? Do you want to surrender to the Lord of Lords, to the King of Kings? That, that's the question. And if that's you, I want to pray with you, whether you're online or whether you're in this room, I just want to pray with you. And so um, no one's looking around, it's between you and God, but if that's you and you want a relationship with Jesus, will you just lift your hand up where you're at and say, God, here I am. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Awesome. And online, even if you're in, all alone in your living room, just lift your hand up and say, God, here I am. And if you lift your hand, then, then I want to I pray with you. And so you use your words, but it's something like this, like, God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I want a relationship with you. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And he did that to pay for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me to cleanse me and to make me a new creation. And God, help me to live my life in relationship with you. And God, I pray that if, that if that's their prayer, that's exactly what you do. Reveal yourself to them, your heart to them. Open, God, the eyes of their heart to see. God, for all of our church again, I just pray, God, the eyes of our heart be enlightened that we would know the hope of our calling the richness of the inheritance we have and the exceeding greatness of your power. God, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. And God, we will give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more praise today? Listen, y'all have been amazing. Please go get your kids. If you need prayer, our prayer team's gonna be at the front. We would love to pray with you. If you're online and you need prayer, my pathway prayer to 77977. Have a big, wonderful day. God bless you. We love you. Please go get your kids. I love you. I'll see you next week. <laughs>